0: Hello, my friends. Today we're talking with our good friend Manny Montenegrino about a number of things, including Justin Trudeau's separation from his dear wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. Is that off base and off bounds to talk about or for a guy who hoists himself so high as a role model and pushes you down so low? He's the feminist. You're the misogynist. Is the way he treats women and and his failures and successes, is that public game? I don't know. Manny and I will talk about it. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. as the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's show. You're to Rebel News Podcast. Tonight, we catch up with our favorite guy, Manny Montenegrino, and talk about Justin Trudeau's separation. It's August 16th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Shame on you, you censorious thug. Who do you talk to if you love talking about politics? All right, who would you talk with about journalism? Okay, here's a smaller set. Who would be an expert in the legal basis of it all? Well, what happened if you found a triple threat? Someone who is an expert in all three, and he's been an observer at the seat of power for decades. You know who I'm talking about, my favorite pundit, we love to have him on once a month to catch up. I'm talking about Manny Montenegrino, the CEO of Think Sharp, based in Ottawa, who joins us now via Skype. Manny, it's always a pleasure. You're always a fan favorite. We get so many emails when you're on the show. And it's a good time for me to listen more than I talk because I talk too much hey. in interviews. But I love to hang on your every word. I'm not exaggerating because you bring insights that I often have never heard before.
1: Well, thank you, Ezra. Thank you for that introduction. I'm always uh, willing to uh, provide my analysis on uh, issues that relate to the law and politics.
0: Well, you're, you're a figure in some ways of the establishment. You were with a major national law firm. You were the lawyer to prime ministers. But you're also a bit of a rebel. Hey, yeah, Manny, what, do you right. think, <laughs> what do you think is a uh, hot issue of the last month. Let me throw one out there. And it's a little bit sensitive, but I know you're a sensitive man. What about Justin Trudeau announcing on Instagram that he and his wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, were separating? What do you make of that news and how he announced it and what he's sort of done in social media since?
1: Well, that's a a good question. And of course, the media wants nobody to talk about it. But to himself has made this an issue and continues to make it an issue. So I think it's fair to talk about it. Um, when I practiced law and I was a managing partner of the auto office of a very big law firm, I had a team of uh, lawyers that provided uh, service to the matrimonial law, uh, divorce lawyers. And there was a good 10 of them in my office. And. And there are two reasons why people get divorced fundamentally. One is financial, and that's a big reason. And second of all, one of the spouses, particularly the husband, doesn't connect with the wife. And that's the second reason. And there is a loss there. Well, when you take those reasons in the history that I've had in practicing matrimonial law, uh, our office has, is Well, clearly, it's not the first. Uh, The Trudos are very well. Daddy left the millions, and I think he's found a way to make more millions. So it's not a financial issue. So it has to be with the parties not connecting. And I find that I don't understand how that could be, because one friend told me that these are the two smartest, happiest, in love people that they know, and, of course, they're separating. So, how does that make sense? Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it just seems that, like, I mean, Trudeau himself goes out of his way to declare that he's a feminist. Uh, and, and, a, and, and from what I understand, when a man says that, and he, he, he basically said it publicly, he said it at, at, at a conference. When a man says that, it means that he truly understands how a woman feels, acts, and conducts herself. So it's more alarming to see a feminist finding himself separated.
0: Hmm. Here's uh, a speech that Trudeau recently gave, actually a little while back, where he talked about how feminist he was. Here, take a look. Well,
2: first of all, I'm gonna keep saying loud and clearly that I am a feminist uh, (laughs) until- Hear me roar. Until it is met with a shrug. Uh, Why does every time I say I'm a feminist, uh, you know, the Twitterverse explodes and uh, news medias pick it it up, it shouldn't be something uh, that creates a reaction. It simply is saying, I believe in the equality of men and women and I believe that we still have an awful lot of work to do to get there. That's like saying the sky is blue and the grass is green, Uh, so uh, the fact that it's still you garners uh, a response, uh, positive response, uh, means that uh, we're still going to have to be using that word and if I can uh, encourage uh, people to use that word more and more often to say that they're feminists, to say they're raising their children, uh, their daughters obviously to be feminists, but also their sons to be feminists, which is something my uh, extraordinary wife Sophie uh, has drilled into me, that it's not just about empowering my daughter, it's about uh, making sure uh, my son uh, work as well to empower, uh, you know, their sister. Uh, however annoying she they are uh, to each other uh, as kids, uh, but that that mindset of how we uh, shift uh, perceptions and engagement is is something that yes we do still have to keep working on. And I'm uh, proud to be able to keep uh, keep pushing that.
0: Well, I have a slightly different take on it. I mean, he's trying to say, oh, I'm a feminist; it should be normal. But actually, I, I think that like saying, Manny, I'm really smart, or I have good fashion, or whatever. Like if you're praising yourself or trying to give yourself a positive appellation in some way, if you have to say it, it's probably not true. Like if you went around saying, hey guys, you know, I'm really smart. No, 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 seriously, I'm really smart. People would know if you're smart. If you treat women right, it's sort of evident, I think. There's a phrase from the Hamlet, My lady doth protest too much. If you're saying it too much, maybe it's because it's not true. I think that Justin Trudeau is a fake feminist. He's a male feminist in the meaning that he's not a feminist at all, except for as a trick. It's like Gian Gameshi, if you recall that CBC uh, star who, who got a degree in women's studies. And it was later found out he was a serial abuser, including physical abuse of women. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm a women's studies major. I'm a major feminist. It was what Professor Gad Sad called being a sneaky effort, but he would sort of sneak under women's radar because he said all the right things. Here's Gad Sad explaining the sneaky effort idea.
3: Take a look. I talked about male social justice warriors as sneaky fuckers. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's an, an actual term, that. right? Yeah, yeah. Well. Sneaky fuckers is actually not a term that I came up with to be profane. It's actually a zoological term that captures uh, in nature the, the idea of kleptogamy, where you're trying to steal mating opportunities. So, for example, let's say you have a type of fish where there are two phenotypes of a male, you know, of a male. There's the dominant physically imposing male. And then there's a whole bunch of other males that actually pretend to be females so that they can sneak by the dominant males and then have a surreptitious coupling opportunity with the females. And that became known as the sneaky fucker mating strategy. And so in the in the parasitic mind, I argue that male social justice warriors are instantiating a form of of sneaky fucker strategy, right? Look, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive. I hug trees. I cry when I watch Bridget Jones' diary. See, I'm not, you, you don't have anything to be afraid of. And then hopefully that can allow me to have access to some willing and available female.
0: I think anyone who goes around talking about how feminist he is, is preemptively trying to cover up the fact that he is absolutely not a feminist in atrocious ways.
1: Well, that's why I put, I connected it um trudeau as a feminist uh sexually assaulted a reporter Rose and that knife. is a f- Rose yes and that's in, a- in creston bc yeah right and that's a fact and why i say it's a fact is that she published it and if it was not true she would be sued The magazine would be sued, and there was no lawsuits and no denials and no retractions. So I have to conclude that he did sexually assault the reporter. He also, you might recall, in the House of Commons, storming across the the, the aisle and elbowing an NDP female minister, in her breast to get her out of the way men don't treat women like that when they want to get something done they don't manhandle a woman yeah. and also you know how he's treated the very strong female ministers uh, the attorney general doing an absolute uh, great job jody wilson rabel and and so so now i add this fourth um dimension to prove what you say is true that he is a fake feminist, and that is, I, I I can't for the life of me see how a feminist who does connect and understand a woman, particularly the wife, particularly the mother of his three children, uh, has it fail. Uh, feminists don't fail in understanding women. Uh, so that's so. Put it all together. I think you're right, Ezra. I think. Uh, He is a fake feminist, but we know that. uh, And there's a lot of fake in a lot of things that Trudeau claims to be, uh, like you know, sitting there talking about racism when he's the the only person I know in Canada who's worn blackface more times uh, than he can count. So, so I think his claim of feminism and the separation—that's just another fact that adds to that conclusion.
0: Yeah, you know, whenever he's tested on his feminism, it, it doesn't work out well. I mean, you mentioned his sexual assault of Rose Knight. Well, he was asked about it. He did not deny it. He engaged in some sort of gaslighting, saying, well, that's not how a bitch said she liked it. Like, he, he basically was turning on her and accusing her of lying. Here, remember what he said when he said she, quote, experienced it differently? That's a more polite way of saying, oh, it was wonderful for me, she should just get used to it. Here's Trudeau saying that.
2: I've been reflecting very carefully on what I remember from that incident almost 20 years ago. And again, I am, I feel, I am confident that I uh, did not act inappropriately. But part of this awakening that we're having as a society, a long awaited, Uh, realization is that it's not just uh, one side of the story that matters. That the same interactions could be experienced very differently from one person to the next and I am not going to speak for the the woman in question. I would never presume to speak for her Uh, but I know that uh, there is an awful lot of reflection to be had as we move forward as a society on how people perceive different interactions. Um, Like I said, uh, I do not feel that I acted inappropriately uh, in any way, uh, but I respect uh, the fact that someone else might have experienced that differently. And this is part of the reflections that we have to go
0: through. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's something creepy well, about him and I think he inherited it from his father, Pierre Trudeau. Um, it, it was well known that Pierre Trudeau physically battered Margaret Trudeau. And, I, and I'm not saying any of these things with delight. It's just how he was. Here's an article. It was it was on the news wires. I mean, she would, they had a terrible relationship and maybe Trudeau learned that's how you'd deal with women, you cheat on them, you physically attack them, you gaslight them. That's what Pierre Trudeau did to women, including his mom. Maybe that's how Justin Trudeau thinks you handle women. I don't know.
1: Well, there's an interest, another interesting uh, fact. I read that the children are going to be in the primary custody of Justin Trudeau, hmm. um, which, which I, I, for the life of me, cannot understand how that arrangement was made, and I can understand how women are not in an uproar over this white male privilege. And here's, again, I go back to the number of lawyers in my office who practice family law, and you learn a lot. Um, Normally, custody will not be given to a spouse that sexually assaulted someone. Uh, Custody will not be given to a spouse that breaks federal laws, the conflict laws. And, that, and then he was found to break the law. Uh, custody will not be given to someone who has um, basically shown some, some form of misogyny. Uh, custody will not be given to, and this is a very important point, uh, to a spouse that, that that has been or cannot be at home attending to the children because his his work is so demanding. I don't think there's a greater demanding job than being prime minister that takes you away from the daily nine to fours of running a family. Uh, So how is it possible that Justin Trudeau has custody of three children? And why are people upset about why is Sophie Gregoire denied custody of the children? Why is she shipped away? I mean, I, I understood why it happened with Pierre Trudeau. And in fact, I knew Pierre Trudeau's uh, that's how old I am, family law lawyer, when he got divorced. Um, and I knew why he kept custody, because it was a different time. Uh, back in you know the, the 70s and the early 80s, um, uh, uh, powerful men got to get what powerful men wanted. And so there was no question that the prime minister, Pierre Trudeau, would have custody of the children, and off goes Margaret without the children. But this is a different time. Women... Um, men should not have the autom. Powerful men, powerful men, powerful white men shouldn't have not have the automatic default that they get what they want. So I don't understand it. I don't understand the facts. I have not read of any report of Sophie Grégoire not being a great mother, not being a good woman. There was no uh, allegations of drug use. Uh, in fact, if there was allegations of drug use, it was Pierre, I mean, Justin Trudeau. So when I look at all the factors as to what where does custody or primary custody belong, it certainly would never be with Justin Trudeau.
0: Well, I didn't hear that he got custody. I mean, <clears throat> there's a concept of joint custody where both sides have... Uh- Shared custody, and I would imagine that would have been the one here. But for the man alone to have custody, if that's what you're saying, and I haven't heard this news yeah. before you said it. Well,
1: I've, I, I, yeah.
0: That's very I, unusual. I, I'd say that's fewer than 10% of the cases where the man gets custody, especially if it's sort of a homemaker mom who's with the kids all the time while. The dad is traveling the country and traveling the world. It's very unusual. Let me throw something else at you. And this was revealed by BlackLocks, which is an independent a news company based in Ottawa. They note that by signing this separation agreement, it, it, they believe that that means Sophie Trudeau's business affairs are no longer disclosable to the uh, ethics commissioner in the House of Commons. And recently she created her own sort of media relations, government relations company, says Black Locks. First of all, I don't know if Sophie Trudeau is an expert in media relations, government relations, public relations. I don't really think so. But it's sort of like Hunter Biden selling his paintings for three quarters of a million dollars. No one thinks that those paintings are worth three quarters of millions of dollars. It's just a way to money launder cash to the Bidens And you're darn straight, Joe Biden is paying attention. Oh, that guy gave my son three-quarters of a million. I think that people who hire Sophie Gregoire Trudeau for media advice or public affairs advice, they'll nod along and say, oh, yes, that's very good advice. They'll pay literally whatever she wants because it's simply a way to launder cash to the Trudeaus. I think that's what that is. You wouldn't hire Sophie Trudeau to do anything real, You'd hire her to impress her husband, saying, Oh, I'll take care of I'll take care of your ex for you. I'll hire her for half a million bucks. And now it's not disclosable to the ethics commissioner.
1: Yeah, Noah, that's a theory as well. You know, Ezra, the thing I learned the most when I was a law student back in the seventies by a great litigation lawyer. He said the truth will come out and The truth will not change. We'll know what the true story is. Again, I'm perplexed that a self-declared feminist in a perfect marriage, loving marriage, Get separated. There's something behind that we don't know, um, and it, it, the truth will come out. It may be what's reported by Black Blacklock. I, I I don't know about being worried about the ethics commissioner. Ezra. Well. There isn't one. Well, that's a Trudel good point. Still- that position is <laughs> vacant, and that's this fine one, with the how, Ottawa media. How brilliant is that? I mean, I mean, you you have an unprecedented ethics. Uh, violations against you by a series of ethics commissioners. I think it was two or three that all found you guilty. And the way you solve the problem is you don't appoint an ethics commissioner.
0: I mean, absolutely brilliant. You know, there's one more thing I want to mention. And I know people are probably saying, hey, this is a lascivious discussion. And I think some of it uh, may be in the personal realm as opposed to the public realm. Although that's difficult to assert, given that Trudeau showcased his own feminism in the public square. He talked about how he deals with women. He talks about what a feminist he is. So when he has a failure with the central woman of his life, maybe it is for the public grist. I don't know. It's a bit of a gray area in some ways. I mean, I think that Sophie Trudeau, in her own right, is a largely private person. She hasn't been like, oh, I don't know, Pierre Polyev's wife has been campaigning hard for him. Or um, in the past, I, I don't know, either first ladies, for example, in the United States were very political. Michelle Obama, for example. I think Sophie Trudeau was much more private. And so I personally have over the last eight years given her more space because I don't think she's duking it out in the public square. But I want to point out something that we saw through an access uh, into information request. One of the things we do, Manny, is we ask for the flight manifests on Justin Trudeau's private jets. So when he jets around, they're not quite private jets, they're government jets, which is why we can get the list of passengers. And we went, when he went over to the UK for the coronation, Uh, I think it was on his flight back, his kids were not on the plane, Sophie Trudeau was not on the plane, but his kid's nanny, paid for by taxpayers, was on the plane. Now, I would certainly not make an accusation against a young woman who I know nothing about, but I saw that and I thought, that's weird. Why is the nanny on a private jet with Justin Trudeau Coming back from this amazing week in London, and she's not with the kids. Like, isn't a nanny supposed to be with the kids? I I don't know. I mean, I don't have an accusation to make, and I don't know anything about the nanny. All I know is she's a stand-up woman who just needed a flight home. But for some reason, she went home with Trudeau and not the family. She was there to nanny.
1: Yeah, I have no idea about this, but uh, that's probably the smallest concern I have about Trudeau and how he's running his uh, his government. But uh, in fairness, you know, the reason why I think it's okay to talk about the separation, uh, and we're not talking anything salacious, it's when someone stands up and lectures, I feel lecture, I mean, liberals love to be lectured, love to be told how... Poor they are, and that's why Trudeau does a great job. I don't like people telling me that I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good man, because I'm not a feminist, or at least I'm not declaring that I'm a feminist. So when Trudeau, uh, you know, I mean, his very first statement in 2015, uh, when he talked about his Equal cabinet of females, uh, he said, Well, it's 2015. I mean, why even talking about it? So I think he has made it a central platform of who he is. That is, that he cares so deeply about women, Um, he cares so much about equality. It just behooves you to ask how did it fail in the most important relationship with a woman? that is your marriage. So I think it's fair to ask. If he never talked about himself as a person who's a feminist and connects with women, then I would be raising it. It just has to do with the hypocrisy of Justin Trudeau and everything he says. I mean, on Emancipation Day, he sat there with a bunch of black people around him, lecturing Canadians about uh, black hate and black racism and and he's the guy that wore blackface so many times he couldn't remember so he lectures people so it's fair when he lectures me it's fair to me to say yeah but yeah. you did this you know it's so funny. i think it's fair
0: you, you mentioned emancipation day a few years back um, on Martin Luther King Day, which is an unusual day for the Canadian government to celebrate because Martin Luther King was American in every way, uh, Trudeau was attending an event in, in Ottawa, and it was a largely black affair, as you would imagine, Martin Luther King Day. So who was the keynote See. presenter? Well, it was actually Sophie Trudeau who was singing a homemade oh, right. song, and I've just got to play that. There's two ways to play that song. One is just to play it in its original glory. And another is to play it with our friend Gavin McInnes singing along and giving a commentary. And Manny, I've got to tell you, this video is one of the funniest things Rebel News has ever produced. Let me, you just made me think of it when you mentioned Emancipation Day. Here's Martin Luther King Day about seven or eight years ago. And at a black civil rights event, the keynote speaker was Sophie Trudeau singing her song I'm maybe in a, I don't know, maybe in a bluesy style, or I don't know why she thought this was a fit, but take a look. And and our friend Gavin singing along. Here it is.
4: Some people die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Angels can fly. Yeah, yeah. And some people fight. Look how white that audience is. (laughs) without knowing why oh sing it some sister preach it live, mm, mm, without seeing the light oh
0: my god look at them and what do you think brothers and sisters there's some
4: african back there oh, oh, he's never no, even heard of martin no, luther no, king no, but not quite. look at the picture behind her <laughs> and i know that good will prevail <laughs> who is this lady and i could come good will prevail the, world. Uh-huh. the love that i feel when you smile back at me When you smile back at me
3: <sighs> is she, I see earth in the
4: corner of your eye
3: Oh, it's a new song now
4: we will say goodbye But nothing will take away what's between you and me
1: Oh my God. Is that guy a
4: sleeper blind? Me, when, when you smile back at me When you smile back at me When you smile, when you smile when you smile. Beautiful. I love you. I love my you too. Child. I love you, my child. Ooh. Check this out. Was she Eva Perone? Is this Evita? Don't cry for me, Argentina.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that was just incredible and uh who know? Who knew she had so much talent? Listen, we're, we're poking some fan at her, but I think you nailed it when you said if a man praises himself as a feminist, if he holds out that aspect of his life as a role model for society and at the same time condemns you as a misogynist, anti-woman, transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. That's the thing about Trudeau. He didn't just praise himself as the ultimate modern man. He condemned you. Bizarrely, he condemned the truckers as misogynist. If you call everyone else misogynist, you better not be... Uh, doing wrong to women in your own life. If you call everyone else racist, you better not be the blackface guy yourself. Right. That, I think, is why, so that's why this that's is Freya Game about to an extent. It. Right. Yeah, go I ahead. mean,
1: that, that's why we're talking about it. I wouldn't otherwise... I mean, there are many politicians that don't go around and lecture and tell... Like, you know, I've been married now 46 years... Uh, when Trudeau speaks on how wonderful of a husband he is and how wonderful of a, of a man he is and how connected he is to women, of course I feel smaller. I mean, that's the intent of the liberal ways. Mm-hmm. Make everyone feel smaller, and that way you're appreciative of, of someone who's greater. Well, I don't like that. I don't like to be told with, by a guy that has failed, you know, many, many times that he's a, a wonderful feminist. And, and you know what? You're not. I'm a better person. I'm a better man. Well, let's, let's dig into it. Why did feminism fail? Why is it that you as a feminist failed? What parts of it did you fail? What did you not understand? And what is true feminism? So it goes to the core of his political platform, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, you know, if you're citing a way about racism and racism and racism, well, it's fair to ask. What have you done? Mm -hmm. I I I remember seeing a picture of you know when when I got married. I mean obviously it was an Italian wedding, and this is. But I had non-Italians. I had other ethnic groups as my uh, as ushers. If you look at Trudeau's wedding picture. I mean, you couldn't get a whiter, richer, I think they're all in cabinet now, but it, it was a, a, a sliver of the economy of white privileged people. So it's fair to ask, why didn't you have a man of color at your wedding? What is it? Why are you, all oh, everyone that's close to you and very close to you, the whitest and the most privileged Canadians that there are? I think it's a fair question.
0: Huh. Well, listen, we've been talking about... Uh his marital troubles, and I think they're a fair game to an extent, and I think he's made them a fair game to an extent, and I think the, the regime media lecturing people, you may not talk about these personal matters, is a bit rich considering how Trudeau talked about our personal matters, including whether or not we were jabbed, whether or not we were vaccinated. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to take lessons on privacy, from the man who took away ours. But Manny, let's pivot for a second. We've been talking for about half an hour about uh, Sophie Gregoire-Trudeau and Justin Trudeau. Let's, let's move on to something perhaps most sub, more substantive. And I've just noticed something in the last few months. The number of severely normal Canadians, young people, new Canadians, people who are clearly not political hacks, just going on social media and saying, I can't recognize Canada anymore. I can't make it here anymore. I can't afford it here. Like it, it's almost like there's this wave of young people saying, How can I live in Toronto or Vancouver or even Calgary? How can I pay for life? How can I handle crime? I think it's a combination of inflation, housing prices, uh, huge immigration numbers that are, are turning into homeless camps in different cities, crime. I think suddenly things have turned really sour in terms of measurable quality of life issues. So put aside sort of the gossipy personal stuff. All of a sudden, times are not great in Canada. I think most people would say we're heading the wrong direction. And that abacus poll says 81% of Canadians think we need a change. Do you think that those people will actually vote for an alternative in the next election, or will be they be scared back into voting for the safe liberal instead of the scary conservative?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think the media is going to do all its best, and certainly CBC has to, because CBC is on the chopping block, do all its best to demonize Pierre Poliver. He's going to be, uh, I've seen it done with with uh, Stephen Harper. I was there with Preston Manning. I, it, so they'll demonize. Uh, they'll demonize Pierre Poliver, who is raised by two teachers, was a, a, a an adopted child, married a refugee. You couldn't get a better example of what a Canadian, centralist Canadian is, but they'll demonize him. They'll make him, I mean, they'll make him a a terrible soul. But I do agree with you, Ezra. I did a post, and I'll give you some stat, and I'll send it to you, but it is a, a, a comparison with Russia and Canada. Now, just two comparisons, but Russia is under severe economic sanctions because of its war in Ukraine. Well, Russia's flu- food inflation is about 1%. Yeah. Canada's food inflation is about 8.6% or 8.3%, mm-hmm. I'm going. Uh, gasoline in Canada is one dollar and eighty-seven cents dollars 87 across the board uh, uh, per litre. Uh, and, in, and in Russia, it's 60 cents. Uh, the, the Canadians, Trudeau's policies... And here's this country that emits 1.4% of the world's CO2. Uh, India and China in the last 10 or 15 years have added 30 Canadas in emissions, 30 full Canadas in emissions, and continue to add each day. And here in Canada, we are taxing um, our Canadians, and we're making it. Now, a carbon tax... The sixth or seventh tax on gasoline makes it harder to drive. And most poor people need their cars, either delivery or what they do. Uh, That's the job. They have to get to somewhere. Uh, Food inflation. Think about it, Ezra. The farmer has a carbon tax that needs his cost goes up. His storage, whatever it's grains or whatever has to be heated or cows or whatever that goes up that transportation goes up, and by the time it gets to the grocery store, the carbon tax kicks in there as well. So food has become almost unaffordable. Hydro, we were the cheapest in the world. Abundant energy everywhere, either through hydro or through coal or through gas. Canada, so hydro or heating ourselves has become unaffordable, and driving has become unaffordable all because we have these virtue signaling taxes that absolutely do nothing in in, in alleviating any concern about the global boiling. Yeah. And if it did boiling, do so... Yeah. yeah, well, that's my favorite now. But that's, I mean, you might as well, I don't know. But I think it's the next one. I looked at the chart. I think it's global m- m- murder now. I don't know what the next one is. But, the, but, but, but you, you sit there and say, even if it worked, Do you not know that China's adding a whole Canada every year? Now, I put it to people, like, if it's true and we're coming to the end of humanity, global boiling, do you think that China, India, and I don't know if you know of any Chinese or Indian scientists, but they're probably part of the world's best. And they probably have a 100 times more statistically than Canada due to population. Do you think these experts are saying we are going to kill ourselves yeah. because we are adding a Canada every six months? No. So it's either, Ezra, either we are the global boiling is now the most racist tool that there is because we're ignoring experts from China, we're ignoring experts from India, and I know some Chinese and, and and Indian scientists who are the top, and they're not saying, "Hey, government, stop! We're going to kill the planet." They're saying, "Go, go, go!" So, what is the global boiling, in my view, is the biggest racist adventure by the white privilege trying to keep the growing part of the world, the third world, the blacks and browns of the world, attaining a life that we have and enjoy. And they're saying, no, thank you. We'll not have any part of it.
0: Hmm. Well, it's funny because uh, you're right. I mean, the Industrial Revolution, we had our Industrial Revolution in the UK and Western Europe and North America. And if we had a policy to restrict food and energy in Asia and Africa, they would be stunted in their growth. But I think what's happening is, as you mentioned, India and China, they are growing as they wish. They're not binding themselves to these rules. Only the luxurious, post-industrial, post-national West is committing actual economic suicide. I tell you, it's uh, uh, depressing. Yeah, Go ahead. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, Ezra, in India right now, there are five times Canada's population that don't even have electricity. Hmm. Yeah. Now, think about that. The Electricity, at its bare minimum, extends life by 10 to 20 years. Uh, so Indians are dying much younger than Canadians because they don't have basic electricity. Do you think that the Indian government is saying, whoa, oh, ho, let's let all these people die early so we don't have the earth boiling. There isn't one expert in India saying, they're they're laughing at us. And we in Canada are taxing, I think we're at the seventh, eighth, ninth tax on gasoline. And I always say, had they named the very first gasoline tax, a carbon tax, there would be no global boiling today. <laughs> it's it, it just, it is absurd. Yeah. We're putting Canadians into poverty that they want to leave. My children want to leave this country. We fought to get into Canada. You have no idea when we landed on the shores of Canada, how my family, and I was a little bit a boy, how my brothers, we were so happy to come to Canada. Nothing but prosperity. And seeing your children want to leave is the greatest failure that there can be. Wow.
0: Well, Manny, you're part of the fight back, and so are we. It's great to catch up with you again. We started talking about Sophie Trudeau, and we (laughs) ended talking about trying to fix the country to stop good people from wanting to leave. It's the the fact that they want to leave that's so bloody sad. Manny, great to see you again, my friend.
1: Great. Thank you, Ezra. Take care. All right.
0: There you have it. Well, that's our show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.